0: guests that we have here you probably we didn't Jim didn't warn you that we kind of get a little bit we fully embrace this welcoming so (laughs) glad to see that you guys got that so um, glad everybody can make it to Hope Center glad to see you all this morning some graduates today Um, I actually have one in my house who's I won't mention but over there Um, So congratulations to them. Congratulations to the parents that uh, have graduates. It's a big day for them. Uh, Also Memorial Day. It's Memorial Day weekend. So those of you that have lost loved ones serving in the military or armed forces or anything like that, just um, as we remember them today. Now, some of you might remember last time I spoke, I spoke about drive-throughs. Some of you guys remember that? And, and why I talk about drive-throughs, so that we can be alone, we don't have to talk to anybody. Well, for those people that are kind of like me, and I know Stan's kind of like that too, I found the perfect drive-through. <laughs> now, these guys are gonna be paying me money for this because I know the business is gonna go up. <laughs> but Subway on 8th and, gra- uh, and Grand, yeah. it is beautiful. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't ask for anything more. I pull up to that this week, and I look at the screen, And all I have to do is push buttons. I don't have to talk to anybody. It is the best thing ever. I'm not joking. It's great. So I I order what I want. I pull forward. I don't even have to talk to the lady. I just hand her some money. She hands me my sandwich, and I'm gone. It's beautiful. So 8th and Grand, subway there. That's the way we go. We need more drive-throughs like that. So I also had a graduate. Last week I was in Oregon. My son graduated from college. It's hard to believe, and yeah, I'm old. So um, I I know some of you don't believe that, but really I am. One of the things that I was able to do is I was able to kind of just, you you got some downtime for that. Like usually when the person's up there talking at graduation for two hours and you don't really care what they're saying. So it gives me some time to think about some things. So I thought about some things that the treasures I have. These are treasures that I've stored or actually my mom has stored and now passed on to me and these are treasures of what I thought were my most valuable possessions. I could never part with these things and so one of the treasures I found was this nice little vest here. And that's, oh yeah, wait till, wait till I show you the back. It's my personal artwork, personal artwork. You ready for this, Jen? You ready? Uh. Self done, by myself, by myself. Yes, all by myself. Obviously, you can see that this, I was pretty little when this was treasure. I had this treasure. So that was one of my treasures. Now, Melina, I know you've been waiting to see what is in here, and I'm not even going to show you what is in here because it's kind of gross. Yeah, it's my wisdom teeth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you want to see them, I can show you later, but it's kind of gross. But yeah, it's my wisdom. For some reason, I thought that was a treasure. Or somebody did. Now, all the young people in this, this is vi- these are video games. Yeah, you guys know this. You guys had this one, right? You played this one. I actually think last time I dug this out, I put a battery, and it did actually still work. So. But yeah, head-to-head football. I played hours and hours and hours, and this, is, this was a treasure. Now, Tim, you're still in here, aren't you? No Tim left? Good, I'll get him next service. But um, I got some other treasures here. You guys won't see this, but it's a Denver Bronco ring. Yeah, well, wait, you're, you, no, that's, that's blasphemy. That's blasphemy. So how about this? With the ring. Yeah, now that's a treasure. And actually I had a whole box full of the, these treasures, but that, there are too many to bring in. So, now my most prized, this was one of my most prized possessions growing up. I worked really, really hard to get this. This was something that I wanted to get this when I was in high school, this was my, I, my goal. I wanted to get this as soon as possible. It's my high school letterman jacket. This was my prized possession. I, I worked really, really hard to get that, earned it as soon as I possibly can, and I thought I had arrived. I thought that was it. But you know what all these treasures now? They sit in a bin in my house collecting dust. They weren't really a treasure. They weren't really anything that, that meant that much to me. I thought they were everything. I thought I couldn't get rid of them, but really I could. So today we're going to talk about uh, uh, another guy that was a rich ruler. And he had a bunch of treasures too. He thought he couldn't get rid of these things either. And so this verse actually is something that has been in my head for a long, long time. started when I was my first missions trip to Africa. I was going to Ethiopia and I'm not joking, the minute I got on the plane, the parable of the rich ruler popped into my head, and it stayed there the whole time, stayed there the whole, the whole time of the trip when I got back and even still to this day of the rich ruler. Am I that rich ruler? Now, I'm going to a country that their average daily income is $2 a day. That's what an average, looked it up just this week, it's $2 a day. That's what an average Ethiopian person lives on compared to what it says for US is $100 a day is roughly what America person makes. Now, some of you might ask, well, what's the most? Monaco was the most, and that was $500 a day. So there's a pretty big difference. But Ethiopia doesn't have social services. There's, there's not any government aid. There's not anything. So even in America, there's still things there that, for assistance. There's still some government programs. Ethiopia, there's nothing. So I'm going to a country where I have a good job, I have a good income, I have lots of things, and God's just put this thing of a rich ruler in my head. So we're in a series right now, and the slide was just up there, and it's called All In. Are we all in? And I think God was asking me that question, are you all in? Am Am I all in, are you going to give it all to me? Am I all in? So let's read today. It's out of Luke chapter 18, 18 through 30. It's on page 1051 in the Bibles in front of you. I'll read that. It says, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit internal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. I know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad, because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, which is impossible with man is possible with God. And then Peter, you guys know I love Peter. Peter says, just to show off, I think, we have left all we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one has left home or wife or brother or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come, eternal life." There's a lot in this. There's a lot in this passage, more than we have time to cover, unless you guys want to miss graduation, we can be here for all day. But uh, miss graduation? Yeah, I'm with you, Steve, but we might be in the minority. So. Um, but we're going to cover some, some of it today, and there's a lot in there, and that's probably why this verse has been one that has been just in my heads for a long time. First, let's just let's pray. God, I just pray that uh, you just speak through me today, that you speak um, the words that you want me to speak, that you just, in our hearts, that you hear what you're asking us to do, that you, we hear that you're asking us to be all in. In your name we pray. Amen. So what was God asking me to do on that airplane? What was he asking me to do? He was making me feel like I was the rich ruler. You know, I had a good job, I owned my own business, I had a roof over my head, I had a family, I had young kids, had a wife, had lots of things, had lots of possessions, had lots of, like just like a ruler. So I think was God asking me to put everything for sale. Was he asking me to say, you know what, I want you to put everything for sale? Was he asking me to do something, something radical? Was he asking me to say, okay, I've got this, I got this job, I've got this business, I've got young kids here. Isn't it radical enough that I'm flying all the way across the world here, halfway across the world, and I'm going to go to a place that I don't speak the language, I don't know anything that's going on. I'm working with people that eat food out of the dump bread that's covered with with radiator fluid that's what they eat isn't that radical enough what are you asking me to do are you asking me to sell everything is everything for sale is that what you want me to do which brings me to my first point what am i looking for what was i looking for when i decided to go on that trip when this rich ruler came up to jesus and he saw him and he was in the crowd what was that rich ruler looking for? Well, his question was, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Now, with the, the text, when it says he's a ruler, we think of a ruler as, how do we get to be a ruler? We conquer a land or we, we, we overtake somebody. It doesn't say what kind of ruler he is. Maybe he's a ruler, and notice he uses, the ruler uses the word inherit doesn't say earn, doesn't say work, doesn't say he wants to inherit it. So coming from a mindset of inherit, maybe that's what that ruler did, is he inherited his rulership from his parents, from his dad. He didn't do anything. He just was born into a system and got this inheritance, got this money. He got this power, he got this wealth, and he wanted eternal life. And just to know it on eternal life, I'm assuming that the ruler was talking about eternal life with God. He was talking about eternal life, the good eternal life, not the bad eternal life, which is torment and punishment. And um, that's a subject for another day. But he's talking about the good eternal life. Or maybe this ruler was just so full of himself. He was maybe a narcissist. Maybe he was somebody that just thought, you know, I'm pretty good. I'm just getting. You watch me, guys, watch me. I'm going to go up to Jesus, and I'm going to say, hey, Jesus, what do I need to do? And Jesus is going to say, oh, you're such, you're such a good guy that, you know what, you just need to do this, and you're in. Maybe he didn't really expect an answer. Maybe he just kind of expected a pat on the back. But then Jesus hits him right away, hits him right away. He says, who is good? Who are you calling good? Nobody's good. I'm not good. You're not good. The only thing that's good is God. Thats Jesus saying that? Because the only thing that's good is God. Now, a few weeks ago, um, Stan Simmons, for some reason, thinks Steph Curry is good. <laughs> yeah, that's what I say, too, Jen. It's, he's not good. He's not, I mean, why doesn't he mention like good people like Michael Jordan? Or now is my chance, like Kobe Bryant, like Magic Johnson, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, like James Worthy, like Shaq, and I can go on with Lakers, but I won't. I'll stop there. I'll I'll be nice to him. But now that, those are good basketball players. Steph Curry, he's a good shooter, but he's not. Yeah, we'll leave that there. And we can discuss that later afterwards. I don't think that was the good Jesus was talking about, though. I think he was talking about the good of the good in your heart, being a good person. The kind of good that um, we're just not good because of the sin in our lives. That we're just not good because of that. That we may think we're good, we may act good, but we're really not. That God really is the only one we can call good. That's just pure. So I. Some of you may recognize this, but Romans 7, 13 through 21. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you'll recognize some of the little bits I read out of this. And it says, For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, I do. I myself who do it, but is sin living in me. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what, is, for what I do is not good. I want to do it. No, the evil I do not want to do this, I keep on doing. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. It's kind of even a tongue twister to say. So there was kind of a do, I do, I do, I do, a do, do. It's kind of a lot of do-do. <laughs> but we're not good. Just saying there's sin inside of us. We're just not good. God is the only one that's good. I think that's what Jesus was trying to get at is just say, you know what, ruler? You think you're good, and you think you're coming up here and just gonna get something easy. No, you're not good. You're not good. So then, the, then Jesus, and this is what I love about Jesus. He just he, he doesn't beat around the bush. He just goes right to the right to the heart of the matter. I think he just kind of just almost sucker punched this guy right in the gut. He lists off some things that are good. He lists off some things. These are the things you need to do, and if you notice those things. This is part of the Ten Commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And then he stops there. And if you count those, there's one, two, three, four, five. Last time I checked, there was 10. The movie I watched in Ten Commandments, there was God gave Moses two tablets and there was 10 things written on there. So. What about the other five? What about the other five? Why did Jesus leave those out? Did he forget? Did he forget that there was ten, or was that all that was required? My thought is is that he he purposely left those out. He left them out so that because he knew what the response of the ruler would be. Just so you know, those other five that he left out is that you'll put no other gods before me. You won't have any other idols. You won't misuse the name of the Lord. You won't cover your neighbor's things, his wife, their possessions, their things. He'll remember the Sabbath. Maybe the ruler liked to go water skiing on Sunday. I don't know. But you'll remember the Sabbath. So I think the ruler knew, or God knew that the ruler would say, well, shoot, I already do that. I already do that. I think Jesus was setting him up a little bit. I think Jesus knew he was saying going to say, all these I have kept since I was a boy, that I've kept these things. So I think he was pumping up the ruler even more like, yeah, maybe I got it. I'm good. I just, I'm just going to have to do a little bit of thing, just a little bit of something. I think, he, I think Jesus left those other five out to, to prove another point after a little bit. I think the ruler thought he probably was good, but I think he was probably a liar. I think he probably did do a lot of those things on that list. He just didn't think he did. But as I was singing about this, I thought about rulers. I go, how do we know anybody of a ruler? Can we think of somebody that didn't have power, didn't have wealth, didn't just kind of have something that they thought they were special, that they violated the commandments, or, or they did lots of things to become that power? And I think a ruler's through history One of the rulers in the Bible, you could think of Nebuchadnezzar. What did Nebuchadnezzar do? thought he was himself a god, and he built a gold statue, and he said, bow down and worship this. I think he violated a commandment. Julius Caesar, powerful ruler of the time. Julius Caesar, after his death, they thought he was a god. Again, violated the commandments. Got power and wealth. Some of these rulers, uh, and Genghis Khan, Genghis Khan is, I just kind of like Genghis Khan, so that's why I mentioned him. But, um, you know, he's a pretty violent ruler. Think of other rulers through history. You can think of other more modern rulers. Fidel Castro. You know, I'm looking at you guys' face and you these guys aren't very good rulers. Why are you talking about them? Well, what about some modern day? What about U.S. presidents? They're rulers. They're rulers of a nation. Some of them start out really good good intentions, really good people. But if I say some of the names, I know I'll elicit responses out of you. If I say George Washington, probably going to think positive, pretty neutral. Abe Lincoln, maybe FDR and JFK. But what if I mention Ronald Reagan? I just heard right over there, Nixon. If I mention him, what if I mention George W. Bush? that'll elicit a response. And I know these ones will. If I say Clinton elicits a response. If I say Obama, that elicits a response. And you guys have responded this one before. If I say Donald Trump listens all kinds of responses in us. But all of these people they have power, they have influence, they have wealth. Jimmy Carter might be the only one I can possibly think of of a US president that came in with nothing and didn't really have a lot when he left, but I think he still has more than he had when he was president. Most of these guys come in and they get power and they get wealth. And I think what happens is is maybe they take God, they get this, and they become dependent on themselves and dependent on what they can do. And they're like this ruler and they think, I'm a good person. I'm a good guy. I've got all this power. I don't need God. So we put God on a shelf. We just leave him there, and something will come up, and well, we'll go look at him again, and we'll just put him back on the shelf. I'm a pretty good person. Do we do that? Do we put God on a shelf? Are there other things more important? Think of my box here. This is all stuff that I thought was important. It's not. It sits it's, it's on a shelf. It collects dust. Jesus knew this ruler had his idols. He knew what would be hard for this ruler. He knew what were other gods in his life, not Big G God, not capital letter God. He knew what those were. He knew things that were idols to us. We can put the picture of the car up there, Nadine. Um, it's a 1970 Hemi-Cuda convertible. Yeah, you're right, Tomas, that's a beautiful car. That would be, that, that's a dream car. It's, I'd love that car. Actually, when uh, Ali, I showed Allie that picture, she goes, oh, that's a pretty car. And if you notice, the color on the top of the slide kind of blends in. It's purple because she did that on purpose because, see, she was impressed with that car. Plum Crazy Purple is the color of that car. There's uh, only 14 of those made. 14 hemi convertibles made in 1970. It's a pretty highly sought-after car. If somebody came in and this door right now and said, hey, I've got one of these out here and I'm going to give it to you, I'm sorry, service would be over, I'd be out the door. <laughs> that would be an idol. That's an idol. That's something I would, I would love. That would be a prized possession for me. That would be something that would, that would keep me away from God. That would keep me away from, from being all in. So am I good? Really, am I good? Have I arrived? Have I, do I have eternal life? Do all I need to do is just do something, something easy? Or Jesus, are you and me good? Yeah, I still have this car, but Jesus, we're good, right? Because I'm a pretty good person. And I think Jesus responds to the ruler after he says, all these I have kept since I was a child. Jesus kind of says, well, good for you, then do this. What does he ask him to do? He asked him to go and sell all his possessions and give to the poor, and then come follow him. Ruler had his wealth. He had his comfort. He might have had all 14 of those Hemikuda convertibles sitting in his garage. But those were his idols. Those were his gods. Those are the things he coveted. Those are the things that kept him from honoring the Sabbath. Those are all, that's why Jesus left those commandments out, because he knew that. He knew that those were the important things to that ruler, not really following him, not really following Jesus. Luke sixteen thirteen says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, I think this ruler was still thinking that he was still pretty good. And then when Jesus said, go sell everything, go do this, I think of, um, think of a boxer. Some of you guys are old enough. You remember Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson would be in a fight, and he would just pot hit someone, right, and they just drop like that. I think that's, I think that's what, what Jesus did to this ruler right then and there because we don't hear from him rest of this parable, we don't hear from him. I think the ruler knew that, yep, I wanted my cake and I wanted to eat it too. But I think he knew Jesus was asking more of him. He was asking him to be all in, to give up everything. So I'm on this airplane, I look, what am I holding back? What am I keeping from God? What, What am I making an idol of in my life? What am I doing? What do I need to still give? What is He asking me to do? Jesus wants us to be the most. He wants Him to be the most valuable possession. He wants us Him to be our only possession. You know the ruler went away sad. He he, Jesus gave him the price for following Him. Following Him to be all in. Am I like the ruler? Am I sad? Am I discouraged? Am I thinking that that's just too hard? That's too hard. How can you ask me to do that? If I'm that ruler, how can you ask me to sell my wealth, sell my Hemikuda convertible, sell everything I have, give it all away, and then I can follow you? You mean I can't just keep a little of it? I can't go buy a Mustang convertible? No, I want all of it what am I supposed to drive? What am I supposed to eat? What am I supposed to do? I don't care. I want all of it. Jesus was asking him to give it all to have eternal life. That was the answer he was giving for his question. So the ruler, when he becomes sad, that's, uh, I, I want to talk about that a little bit, the na- nature of the sadness. Now, we might be sad about some of our possessions or some of our things or experience sadness. But the kind of sadness that that Jesus was talking about was the sadness when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was praying out to God. And that's the sadness. It it says in there, it says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. It's overwhelming sorrow, great distress. That was the kind of sadness this ruler had. This was the worst thing he could possibly think of. It was that level of sadness. It was a sadness that, that you can't possibly imagine. And so I, we don't hear from the ruler again. Like I said, I think the ruler probably just kind of maybe shrunk away, and he just kind of disappeared, and he went off. In the other parables, it said he left and went off sad in the other gospels. Now, in Africa, I would say I didn't experience that same sort of sadness. I still haven't experienced that same sort of sadness. But I think Jesus was just working on my heart, saying, are you all in? He's working on me saying, am I all in? I'm pretty stubborn, so it takes a long time. Um, You can ask my wife. She'll be here at second service. But um, I am. I'm really stubborn. So I started. kept thinking to myself, what am I supposed to do with work? What am I supposed to do with this? What am I supposed to do with that? How, does this, how am I supposed to do this? How, I, I, I don't understand this I don't get it. I can't do it. it's too hard. it's too hard. And Jesus says, "For me, for you, yes. for God, no. Now Jesus gives us that hyperbole here. He gives us a hyperbole of it's an exaggerated statement that's, that's not meant to be really taken literally. He says it's easier for a camel to get through an eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So a friend of mine gave me this, brought me this needle, and I'll hold it up. You guys probably really can't see it, but it's, it's a pretty big needle. Um, and I have no idea even what it's used for because this end isn't even sharp, so I can't even poke somebody with it. But it's a pretty big eye. And it'd be ridiculous to think that anything could fit through that, except for maybe some yarn. I could maybe fit a dime through that. But I think that was the point. That's the point that God was getting at. It's the point that Jesus was getting at is like, it's impossible for you to do that. But it's not impossible for God. The ruler couldn't save himself. The ruler couldn't punch a magic ticket and just do some little work and save himself. Only God could save him. Only God could do that. So what are we holding back? What are we not wanting to give up? What are we, what are we keeping from him? You know, is it our wealth? Is it our status? Or just maybe it's a hurt or a pain. You know, when we read this this parable, and we talk about this, most times people think about their wealth and their possessions and their things, that God's asking me to do this. But sometimes I think we have hurts and we have pains. We have things that we just hold on to so tightly and we say, you know what, I'm never going to let that person do that to me again. And it's a protection and it's a possession. And, and, or we blame God and we say, I'm never going to let God do that to me again. It's something that, how could he do that? How could this person do that? And it becomes an idol, because something that we, we almost worship to the point that it keeps us from God. Maybe that's what God's asking us to do. Matthew 11, 8, 28 through 30 says, "'Come to me, all you who are w- weary and burdened, "'and I will give you rest. "'Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. "'For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Do we believe this? Do we believe that God's burden is light? That his yoke is light? Now, a yoke is something that you put over cattle, and you'll see pictures, you probably have seen pictures of that. You put them over them, and they put them in pairs, and it's what they use to plow and what to steer them and what to control them. And if I look at it, it looks pretty heavy to me, but God is saying it's mine light. It's light. Deuteronomy 6 5 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Don't serve two masters. Ruler ser- was trying to serve God, thought he did, but he, this was a bigger master. Can't serve two masters. It's impossible for me to do, but it's not impossible for God to do. The ruler couldn't do it. He thought it was impossible. But Luke 1.37 says, for nothing is impossible with God. Which brings me to, are you in or out? You know, I was standing in Africa. I was standing in a mud hut in Africa, and. I was just being with the people, and I was seeing things, and I think God was just tugging at me saying, are you in? Jared, are you in? Are you all in? Jared, are you going to follow me? What do you want to do? Are you going to follow me? If you are, I need all of you. I need you to be all in. Luke 14:33 says, in the same way those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Now I'd like to tell you that this was a, a fairy tale ending. That I went home and all these wonderful things happened, and I did this and I did that, and God just all this these things. That was over ten years ago. And I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm still trying to figure that out. But what I can say is, there's a question that I answered. It's a question that I answered. It says, am I sold or is there no sale? What I will tell you is that I'm sold. I was done making excuses. I was done saying, what about this, what about this. I was done going away sad going, God, you want me to do this. I was done. I was sold. I can't do it myself, but God can. It's too hard for me, but you know what? Not for God. So are you sold? Are you ready to quit running from Jesus? Are you ready to quit putting other things above him? Are you all in? Are you done saying, well, my stuff, my job, my career, my status, my choices, my hurts and my pains, whatever it is, are you ready to put up that sign? Are you ready to put up that for sale sign and say, God, it's all yours? Am I ready to be all in? Is it time to be all in? Let's pray.